You are listening to audio from The Table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit thetabletx.org. Hello, Table Podcast listeners. Brett here. Grace and peace. Thank you so much for listening in uh, yet again this week. So we're continuing on in our series right now titled 1 Peter Part 3. Just making our way through this book of the New Testament. And so the title of my message is, What's My Purpose? What's My Purpose? Our primary scripture is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. It says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, Be alert and of sober minds that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So the opening line of our scripture tonight is a fascinating one. Perhaps, like me, you imagined dystopian landscapes full of ashes and fire and someone who clearly hasn't had a shower in a month holding up a cardboard sign that quotes 1 Peter 3, 7 on it. The end is near, or maybe it's the King James Version. The end is nigh. In other words, doomsday is upon us. But actually, I think that would be reading things into the book of 1 Peter 4, 7 that aren't actually there. Uh, because instead of an apocalyptic nightmare, I think what we actually have is a hint of the beautiful end towards which you and all creation are headed. You see, the Greek word translated into English um, here as end is the word telos. So how this passage actually reads like in the Greek is the telos of all things is near. Now, what does telos mean? Telos means um, aim, end, goal, or purpose. In other words, telos is less about Peter saying, the apocalyptic nightmare is nigh upon us. And it's more like he's naming that you and all things have been created with a telos in mind, an aim, a goal, a purpose, an end. And again, not end as in you and all things will come to a quick end. But, but more like um, when you ask the question, what end have I been created for? It's sort of like when a, an author writes a story. They determine ahead of time, what, what is the goal, the aim, the end of my story? But not just end as in, how's this thing going to wrap up? But more like, to what end are my characters and the narrative headed towards? Where and... Uh, Well, maybe where do I want them to end up? How will they grow? How will they develop? And how will I, as an author, know if they're on track? Or you might think of it like teaching. You know, a good teacher always has a clear end. Not just, I totally know when the last day of school will be. Hooray, it's getting closer. (laughs) I, I do know that we have some happy teachers and students right now that we're coming to the end in that sense. But I don't mean that kind of end. I mean like... The goal, the purpose, the aim of education in general, and this school year in particular, right? As a teacher, you have to have a vision of what the heck you're doing. And side note, there are like really big debates in education circles about what the telos, the purpose, the aim, the end, the goal of education actually is. You know, for example, is it just about getting kids ready for the job market? 
Is that is that the, the telos, the very end, the aim, the goal of all education? Or is it something else, like, you know, character formation or something to that effect? Um, I mean, can you start to pick up on the fact that naming your telos, or not just naming it, but like understanding it, whether as an author or a teacher or an organization or a church or a business, I mean, it's a really, really big deal. Um, I mean, just to make it super clear why it's a big deal, until you've named the telos and named it well, the purpose, the aim of a thing, you are in absolutely no position to judge whether it's good or bad. Uh, for example, you can think of um, like a piano. It's, of course, a you know, musical instrument. And so you judge a piano based on, well, it's telos, right? On how it sounds. Are its tones rich and deep? Are its keys responsive to the musician's fingers and and such, you know, that it's like actually possible to play it beautifully. Like those are really good questions to ask of a piano. But if someone pointed um, to a piano and they said, oh my gosh, that table over there, that's the worst. The other day, our whole family gathered around it and ate dinner on it. And it was just, it was terrible. Like its legs got in the way of our chairs. It was so high when we sat down, it just, it came up to our necks. Like it's, it's, it's the worst table ever. If they said that, you would just look at them and blink and you're like, you're an idiot. That's not a table, man. That's a grand piano. You don't know what a grand piano's for, right? Because, and you'd say that because you don't judge a piano based on how wonderful of a kitchen table it is because that's not its stinking telos, <laughs> right? You, you got to understand its telos, its purpose, its aim, its goal, the end for which it has been created. Then you can judge a piano. Okay, so what does this have to do with our lives? Well, it was the Christian philosopher Alistair MacIntyre in his book, um, After Virtue, who named that a few hundred years ago, the modern Western world made a somewhat disastrous decision. We as a culture decided to let go of the idea of a human telos. I don't mean that we just like consciously switched our telos, you know, not just we had one vision and we're like, you know, let's change it up a little bit. No, no, it was more radical than that. We basically let go of the notion of telos entirely. We said, what, are, what have human beings been created for? Who knows? <laughs> no one knows. There is no telos. You know, just, just make up your life as you go. <laughs> and what's happened? Well, it's been a disaster. Like, it's launched us into what some have called um, a meaning crisis, a crisis of purpose. And as we touched on last week, really a crisis of addiction and anxiety because we're like, we're sailors on the high seas without a North Star. We're just wandering around on the waves. We're, we're characters in some crazy, insane story without an author. And so we just keep choosing things that are not worthy of an ultimate telos. As we talked about last week, for example, consuming well, that makes a really poor purpose for living. <laughs> you know, like, I, I live to eat delicious things. Like, well, okay. I mean, that's a, that can be a part of a good, cool life, but not as like an ultimate telos. Like, what am I living for? Food. You know? <laughs> I live to do drugs. I live to game. That's a, just like, no, it's a, it's a poor telos. Um, I mean, one way to actually think of addiction is as a, a crisis of telos, of purpose. Because, I mean, at least addiction, it becomes some sort of reason for living. I mean, granted, it's a poor one, 
but it's something. You got a reason to get up in the morning, you know, like going to get my high, like at least, it, you know, it's something. And, and this is partly why I believe human beings are inescapably religious. We cannot do without God because we are people who innately deep in our bones, we need a telos, a purpose, an aim, an end, a goal. Okay. So what is our telos? Well, obviously I'm, I'm speaking here as a Christian, but just to be clear, I am speaking universally. Like I'm not saying now this is the purpose of, of a Christian. No, no, no. I'm saying this is the human telos. This is everybody's telos. They just may not know it yet. So, so here it is. Our whole life is a process of learning to give, receive, and grow in love. That's capital L, love. Because I, I, I capitalize it because it's really a nod to the fact that God is love. We know from the revelation of God seen in Jesus Christ that you were created by the God who is love. You were born from love. And at the end of all things, you will return to love. So what do you do in the meantime? Well, it's clear. Like your whole life is a process of living into that truth. That reality, your whole life is a process of learning to love well. This is why Peter says in verse 8, above all, love. Love each other deeply. Give, receive, grow in love. That's your telos. So this means, though, the, the key question of your life is, is really this. Um, well, maybe we'll start with what it's not. It's not... Did you make a barrel of money? <laughs> Are you a quote-unquote success as defined by something other than growing in love? Right, that, nope, that's not the question. The question is, are you living into that purpose and tell us? Are you learning to love? That's the question. So we began by naming that when Peter opens with the, the words, you know, the, the end, the telos of all things is near. Um, it's not quite what we imagine, like some sort of apocalyptic hellscape. Um, but I do think there's a sense of, um, I don't know what to call it, like a, a sense of, of accountability or judgment or um, sober-mindedness. That's the word Peter used. The second part of verse 7 says, therefore, so he says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. In other words, um, the, the very end, the very purpose, the goal of your life, love, God, is drawing near to you. Like the end, it's coming. And so sober up. I don't think he just means like, you know, in relationship to alcohol. Like stop your drinking. I think he's saying, you know, what's the opposite of, um, of being drunk or being out of it or being asleep? It's sobering up. It's wake up. That's what he's saying. Wake up. Your purpose is right here. Like the, the end, it's drawing near the, the very aim, the goal of your life. It's drawing near in every moment it's being offered to you. Are you awake? Are you awake to it? Or are you just trying to make a barrel of money? <laughs> you know, like, are you, are you in essence off purpose, off track? Just to be clear, I'm not trying to say like, if you're making money, that's terrible. You know, like, it's, I'm just saying that's not your ultimate telos. You know, we know from the teachings of Jesus that all of us will one day um, stand before our maker there's a, a day of judgment at the end of all things, um, which I think Peter is, as I mentioned, he's kind of nodding to that. But, but here's the thing. I, I don't, based on, um, not just first Peter, but based on the whole new Testament, I don't think 
God's going to ask you, um, hey, did, did you, at the end of all things, like, did, did you say the magic prayer? Did you, hey, did you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and ask him to forgive you of all your sins? Did you, did you do that? <laughs> like, you know, I'm imagining someone who's maybe even, just to say a different culture or something, never even heard the name of Jesus before, you know, is standing there like, uh, what? I mean, I don't know. I missed the magical prayer. And God's like, what? You didn't say the magical words to hellfire and damnation with you. <laughs> I just find that whole vision. So it's just so ridiculous. Um, but based on the new Testament, like here's my guess as to what might actually be asked of us. I think a much more accurate question would be something like this. How did you love? Did, did you grow in love? Remember Matthew chapter 25, uh, the, the story of um, the, the judgment. And, and there's the, the whole narrative of the sheep and the goats, which are like a metaphor for people, um, different kinds of people. And uh, you'll notice that Jesus tells in that parable, he says, um, well, he does not say, the magical question shall be, did you accept me as your personal Lord and Savior? You know, no, the question he says will be something like this. So um, I was hungry. Did you feed me? I was thirsty. Did you give me something to drink? I was lonely. Did you visit me? I was sick. Did you care? I was in prison, isolated, alone. Did you spend time with me? I was naked. Did you clothe me? And the people will ask, Jesus says, like, what? what, what? When, when did we ever see you? I mean, Christ, God, if we'd known it was you, but... <laughs> and Jesus replies, what you did to the least of these, my brothers and my sisters, you did or did not do to me. In other words, how did you love? How did you love? That is the very purpose of your life, to grow, to mature, to flourish in love. Now, in closing, you might ask, um, okay, but like, what do you, you know, what do you mean by love? That can be a somewhat confusing word in our culture. You know, often people just jump to like romantic love or something. Obviously, well, hopefully, you know, I'm not just meaning it in that sense. Um, Because obviously, Matthew 25, it gave us some concrete examples, you know. But still, that's a really big question. You're like, what do you mean by love? In essence, really, we need the story of scripture and the whole life of Jesus in particular. to like put flesh on what love is, you know, to put flesh on the abstract notion of love. Um, But even in just this little passage, Peter names a a number of things. So I want to go through a few of those to close us out. Um, Verse eight, Peter says this, above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. What does it mean to cover over sins. I don't think Peter means love sweeps a multitude of sins and injustices under the rug. (laughs) Or uh, I don't think he means love hides from hard things. Um, No. Instead, I think he's naming, you know, love covering sins. It's a reference to, to us meeting the messed upness of people. And there's plenty of it with a spirit of grace and forgiveness rather than judgment and wounded pride. We might say it like this. I am living into my telos, my my purpose, my aim, my goal, to the degree that I'm learning to love. I'm learning to love to the degree that I'm learning to forgive. 
Second, in verse 9, Peter says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, what's hospitality about? It's, it's not just like hosting people, you know, having people over, although that's, that is hospitality. But really, in its heart, the reason hospitality is so essential um, in really the Bible as a whole um, is, is it's about expanding your circle of care beyond your nuclear family. Um, for example, our, our family has been in a really crazy season of remodeling. We had a pipe burst and then a sewer system back up into our bathroom fun. <laughs> so it's added some, you know, stress to a already full life. I'm working on saying thanks for everything. I have no complaints whatsoever, but it, it's kind of hard. Um, so, but two weeks ago, that's a nod to last week's sermon for those who missed it. But uh, to like two weeks ago, some of our table family um, scheduled to bring us dinner in the evening for like three days straight. And let me tell you, it was so helpful to have people love us like that, like in a concrete, practical, tangible way. Now, to be clear, for those families, it was a sacrifice, right? They gave financially. They did not send us an invoice or pictures of receipts at the end. Right? They gave financially. Um, it took their time and their energy, but it was such a beautiful act of hospitality and love. Man, we're really losing the art of this in the Western world, expanding our circle of care. Like, giving a crap about people beyond our, our immediate circle of family or friends. We might sum it up like this. I'm learning to love to the degree that I'm learning to practice hospitality, to expand my circle of care. Finally, Peter writes in verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. I adore the simplicity of that. It's almost like he's saying like, don't overthink this. You know, don't make love too grandiose. I maybe could imagine someone hearing this message like, oh my gosh, it's my, pur my purpose, my, my aim. I go, oh no, am I, what, what does it even mean? How will I do it? You know, and get a little overwhelmed. Like, okay, don't freak out. It, it's really simple. Um, do you have a gift? And by the way, you do. Use it and use it to serve. That's the key. Don't just use it to try and get more for you. Use it to serve, and you will find love and joy blooming in your life. I'm learning to love to the degree that I'm learning to use my gifts for others. So that's it. Forgiveness, hospitality, service, in short, love. This is the very telos you have been created for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.